0: It's big interview time here on Money Life. And today I'm joined by Christian Thwaites, the Chief Investment Officer at Brower and Janikowski. If you are not familiar with the firm, B and BJAdvisors.com. Better yet, go to BJAdvisors.com slash investment dash blog because whether it's Steve Janikowski or Christian Thwaites or some of the other folks there, you're going to get some really good, worthwhile commentary. So that's how you find out about the firm. If you want to learn more about Christian Thwaites, well, he's on Twitter. It's cthwaites1 or at cthwaites1. And it's all linked up at the Money Life Show recent and upcoming guest page. Christian Thwaites, welcome to Money Life.
1: Thank you, Chuck. How are
0: you? I'm doing well. And I'd be doing better if the market was maybe with some measure of direction or with some lessening of volatility. But we don't seem to be able to get much of a direction right now. Every headline seems to scare people and everybody wants to be nervous. And Lord knows we can't seem to shake any of the volatility. So how much of this is just ordinary market noise and, and you know, a 24-hour news cycle?
1: Yeah, um, I'd, I'd love to see the volatility down. Let's talk about that first. And I think we have to remember that 2017 was a, was a year of extraordinary low volatility, we ran the numbers the other day, the average VIX level was under 10. And then, of course, we all got uh, reminded that volatility returns to a vengeance back in February. And we're up to about an 18 average with daily spikes. And that's pretty much the long term average since VIX came around around 2000. So in the year 2000. So really, the volatility is back where stocks should be. Uh, and I'm afraid we've just been lulled into a full sense of security with sort of uh, the prior 14, 15 months being low. So I, I think volatility is here to stay. But remember, this is what we had for many years. And that was the norm. 2017 was not the norm. Um, and it's, the other one on the direction, I think some of that is when you've got a lot of volatility, there's a lot of players in the market. They're playing uh, you know, short-term trades, ups and downs. So... As you know the HTF guys the high frequency trader guys love volatility uh, so are the option riders and so for them you kind of get a bit of amplified noise and a little bit more uh, directions up and down weird closes, strange bumps in the day and then uh, you know a rush to close around about the four o'clock deadline so I think for now we've got this we've got this new cycle where earnings are out of the picture so it's been driven by you know the things that you know I'm sure you're your listeners know well the, you know, the, the, the tweets, the headlines, the cycle and just a lot of, you know, commentary.
0: There's a lot of talk about the impact that tariffs could have. But I want to take it a step further for all the impacts that tariffs could have. Do you believe that tariffs could basically get you to say, hey, going into 2018, here's what my forecast was? Nope. You can tear that up because this is going to end the bull market that we had it's going to overcome you know for for all that we're hearing and for all of the potential negatives let alone the short-term market moves are tariffs and trade wars that bad
1: um that's a really good question i think that initially this this round of the steel tit for tat and then the latest round with uh the china which which uh which is kind of working through now um are not significantly impactful to the economy. As you, as you guys probably discussed, you take the steel tariffs and you, and you work out which countries are exempt, which are not, and how much extra they're gonna pay. You're looking at about, you know, nine billion dollars, and the US GDP, nominal GDP, is about to hit twenty trillion dollars. So it's an absolute You know uh six decimal points to the right of anything that's significant and i still think even with the china ones uh you know remember it's not 50 billion dollars worth of tariffs it's 50 billion dollars of worth of goods which will be subject to the tariffs so the number is you know a a a fraction of that you know call call it 20 billion dollars but again 20 billion dollars on 20 trillion is still a very small number but i think um so the economic impact isn't that great but i think that the uh you know we've been used to many years of trade is good trade is mostly mostly uh you know not censured or, or subject subject a lot of tariffs and we're and that's being questioned right now and and so i think from up it's, it's upsetting the market to a greater level than its in, economic impact should strictly allow
0: in terms of where we now look at things going forward I, I asked if you would tear up your forecast from before the year started. How much are you changing? You know, here we are, at, we've just yeah. finished the first quarter. You're going to have some communication out to shareholders. How much do you tell them this market has changed?
1: Um, I we think it's changed uh, a little bit in terms of its characteristics. And so, you know, to answer your question, we we had an eight to ten percent forecast. For the S and P in uh, in in 2018, as you know, we were sort of 22 plus in uh, in in 2017. We had the new tax laws coming through, which helped things goose up a little bit, and, and global trade uh, and global economy was doing looking well. So this might shave it a little bit back because I, I think where where we, again we talk about you know trade, it's it's like the, the talk is enough to damage confidence, and you know. All economies are essentially built on business confidence, consumer confidence, investment confidence, lending confidence. And so if there's a, if there's an ongoing sort of impact to confidence, then that could, that could hit the, uh, our S&P returns by a little bit, maybe by 15, 20%. So instead of a 10% S&P, we might be looking at seven to eight, but, but I'm not quite there yet, Chuck, because I think that, you know, we're, we're, we're sort of six weeks into this. It might seem longer, but this thing might, might sort of you know, sort itself out. And, and uh, I think also the market has gotten used to inflammatory tweets and texts and exchanges and headlines, and then things kind of settled out. I don't want to be too complacent on that, <laughs> because you never know, it could come back and bite you. But that seems to have been the pattern. And the market, we've got used to that in 2017, has been spooked by it a little bit so far in 2018. But I think they might go back to that pattern of it's actually not as damaging as first thought so yeah a little bit a little bit less on our s&p returns but not enough to completely tear them up and start again
0: when it comes to international you know a lot of people have been talking about get your international exposure because that's where you're going to be able to have larger profits at this point but you still have concerns there i mean not only do you have the issues that we've been talking about with trade and tariff and how they could impact internationally but you've got rising rates and the dollar changing so for you is has the international picture also basically stayed within the range where yeah we're watching but we're not changing or has it gotten better or worse um it it
1: it's basically not not changed that much because i like to break it down into kind of three components what i think the stories are in 2018 for international are japan which is kind of going through this low monetary uh lows sort of uh, easy monetary policy lots of qe they're targeting the 10-year uh japanese uh, sovereign bond at zero percent and it's sort of hitting that and you've got a lot of reforms coming through and if you look at the mid and small cap domestic oriented stocks in japan there's been on a tear so i think that that's that's still a good story the other one is the eurozone. so these are the uh the countries which use the euro so it's basically if you look at a map of europe it excludes the scandinavians uk switzerland and a few others to the east of that but we like that story uh very good monetary policy um slow fiscal policy coming back and markets have been neglected for years and then the emerging markets which are going to be a little bit more uh worried about uh uh a, a too much weakening dollar because a lot of their Sovereign debts are denominated in dollar, but right now, you know, are, are doing quite well, very export oriented. So they've taken a little bit of a hit recently. And I suppose if I was to single one out, you know, uh, I think China is a little bit more self-reliant, you know, if, if, if some of its exports, uh, come off the boil a bit, but a, but a country like, uh, Korea, South Korea is, uh, is, has, has been weak recently. So I think you just have to, you know, pick, pick your markets there. Um, but again, it, it, it without sounding hopefully not sounding complacent i think some of this noise will will dissipate itself um and we still like those three plays in the international markets and the dollar of course as you know has just been just seems to be on a cyclical downturn uh you know some of that's commodity related you know if you've got strong dollar prices people have to sell dollars in order to buy the buy the oil um we've also got uh the interest rate differential which you think would support the dollar but i think a lot of countries are are, are 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 trying to diversify away from the dollar in their foreign exchange reserves and it just seems to be on a on a cyclical downturn of course we've got our own administration treasury and the white house which uh which are not doing much to support the dollar
0: we're almost out of time here but i i gotta ask into all of this mix if you had your choice, with the nervousness that people might have about rising rates and everything else, would your hedge be gold or would your hedge be cryptocurrency?
1: Neither. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to take that deal. Um, um, you know, gold is supposedly the inflation hedge, but it doesn't kind of work out that way. Crypto, I think I'm, I'm just uh, maybe been around too long, Chuck. But you know, I'm, I'm, I want to see something earn and uh, and be able to touch it. Can't do that. No, I think the ultimate. Uh, hedge is treasuries go into a five to seven year treasury fund with lots of etfs that do that Uh, that's going to be the place where where people go to if they if the markets get out of hand
0: well i wish i had more time to discuss that the ultimate hedge being treasuries what a great line to remember and to end this on but i don't really want this discussion to end christian i want to make sure that you're going to come back in a couple of months and we can pick this up and see where things have gotten to then
1: yeah delighted thanks for
0: having me Thank you for being here. Christian Thwaites, everybody. He is the Chief Investment Officer at Brower and Janikowski. And if you want more information, it's B&J, so B&J written out, advisors.com. Like I said, add slash investment dash blog to it. It's worth that look. And Christian's on Twitter. He is at Cthwaites1. All right. We just hit the halfway poll on the Thursday edition of Money Life. That means we got a lot more to go. And up next, we'll be talking about specifically high-yielding checking accounts you don't think there is such a thing well the folks at deposit accounts have some news for you we'll talk with ken tooman about that when we come back in just a moment